by Silver Screen and Roll an SB Nation Lakers community. You can find our work over at silverscreenandroll.com, but you probably already knew that. Um, I am Christian Rivas, one of your hosts uh, for Can You Dig It? Um, and I am joined by Jacob Rood, uh, who, uh, Jacob, from what I understand, you're not, you're not feeling the best right now. Yeah, so I, I gave you the, the elongated version, but the truncated version is that... Uh, Last week, while covering some golf matches, I got poison ivy on my hand and was unaware of it and basically rubbed the entire left side of my face. And for those um, unaware, you typically want to avoid getting poison ivy on your face. (laughs) Uh, This weekend, my eye was swollen shut. Um, And, I mean, obviously you guys can't see it, but basically the whole left side of my face is all red. Uh, it's not swollen shut anymore, but boy, I have spent the last three days just scratching the crap out of my eye, which <laughs> I'm fully aware is exactly what you're not supposed to do, but uh, easier said than done. So it has not been a fun like last week for me, just wanting to constantly claw at my face. And And yet... You showed up today to record the podcast, and Jacob. This for is that, my th- flu game. For that, for that, I thank you. Uh, we have a little bit to talk about. Um, I mean, we still got two more months until oh. basketball. Uh, I think almost exactly two months until the official games start, but like a month and like a week until media day, which I can handle it once we get to training camp. Yeah, I well, I don't know, man. I feel like that's when it gets especially bad for me because I just I just want to watch some basketball, and uh, I mean, we'll have the FIBA World Cup, but you know, it Kuzma doesn't sound like that team's yeah. doing much better right now. <laughs> if Kuzma doesn't make the team, uh, I'll probably sit that one out because yeah, I I don't. I mean, you probably saw the story because everybody did. Uh, but the, the USA basketball team that they're sending. To the FIBA Basketball World Cup, and no, I did not misspeak. The official name of the tournament is the FIFA Basketball World Cup. When the when the word basketball is already in, I was FIBA. gonna say, isn't the B in FIBA for basketball? Yeah, yeah, and it's in French, but basketball in French is basketball. That's like that's like saying the FIFA Football World Cup. This doesn't make sense. Anyway. I, that's a weird thing that bothers me. Um, the USA basketball team, the senior team, uh, took on a select team that was highlighted by uh, absolute showstoppers like Justin Anderson, Travis Ware, uh, Ben Laker, Moore. Laker legend Travis yeah, Ware. <laughs> and John Jenkins. Uh, and the word on the street is that they beat the USA basketball team, which consists of Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, uh, Miles Turner, Kyle Kuzma, you, you, like actual NBA players, players that will be playing like probably more than 30 minutes a game next season. 
Uh, lost 36 to 17. Yeah, that's not even close. <laughs> and, and apparently, that wasn't even the first time they lost to them, like, on the day. They lost by three earlier in the day. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how they're going to fare. If you're really searching for, like, reasons to make excuses for this team, which I don't know why you would, <laughs> the, that select team... Like, a lot of those guys, I think pretty much all those guys, had, like, competed to qualify for uh, this World Cup. So, like, they played together, but, like, that's not enough of an excuse. Like, getting getting it handed to you by... I don't know that any of those guys are honestly, like, actual NBA players, like, on yeah. actual rosters, like, secure positions, basically... Whereas the USA team, even despite it being like the, like the, it's way down the alphabet, like the D team or the E team or something, yeah. they should be easily handling those guys. Not a great look for uh, USA. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in that tournament. I, I, I've said on this podcast, and I may have said it even like as soon as last week. But even if this tournament was like an under 21 or a 21 and under tournament, I would still put my money on the uh, on Team USA. But man, I'm starting to second guess that take now. It's just that's not great. <laughs> to, I'm not be backing losing. off of it, but I am slightly worried. After <laughs> we'll just hope that's like a wake up call. Didn't like the 92 team lose right. to like a bunch of college kids? So like the dream team, yeah. Yeah, so they needed a wake up call. This is their version. This is this team's <laughs> version of a wake up call, I guess. Except they don't have like. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Larry Bird. They have. Are you saying it's blasphemous to compare Kimball Walker to <laughs> Magic Johnson? I mean, which, by the way, uh, Wednesday was Magic Johnson's 60th birthday, and he oh, celebrated Lord. by putting to, like compiling a list of his top 60 favorite things with a caveat that not all of them were going to be ranked. At least 57 or 58 of them were just going to be in alphabetical order. So, this has really bugged me, these lists, because, like, take his top 60 music groups, for example. The top six appear to be in order of, like, his actual favorites. Yeah. And the remaining 54 are alphabetical order. And it's like, where is he, like, his favorite hip-hop artists, the top four are ranked, and then the remaining... 56 are in alphabetical order. It's like, what is your, like, <laughs> thought process here? It is driving me nuts reading his list as he tweets them out. Yeah, and I then think he, he probably he, just got lazy. I guess. I don't, I, like, Anthony <laughs> tweeted this, and I'm 100%, like, on board. Like, I want to hear from the person who was tasked with, compiling this list <laughs> like it did magic like sit on a couch and just start rambling these off and then he's like now listen i want these first seven to be in order but the rest you can just put in alphabetical order or like i don't even understand like i was way too frustrated at that and also the fact that he just flexed really hard with his like top 60 places to travel so it's oh, like yeah. none of them are I think, like, one of them was, like, Hawaii or Honolulu or something, and the rest were, like, outside of America. But those... I was way too angry at those lists for, like, the arbitrary amount of, like, 
selections that weren't in alphabetical order. I'd like to see Magic Johnson's um, big boards on draft night <laughs> in the war room. It's like, all right, we got Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, and then after three, it's like Bam Adebayo, Jared <laughs> Allen, Kadeem Allen. It just, I and I bet, I mean, but they, they got picked, pretty far down the big board if they got to Mo Wagner. Yeah, and... <laughs> that's what I was just gonna say. So. Maybe not, but it's a nice thought to have. Um, it's just so crazy. Like, I hope there comes a time sooner rather than later that we can separate Maddox Johnson, the basketball executive, from Maddox Johnson, the player, again. Um, just because, I mean, even out, out, outside the basketball court, the fact that you know, the fact that he's still with us at 60 years old is so remarkable mm-hmm. and um, something worth celebrating, I think, even even if you do have, you know, he wasn't your favorite basketball executive, traded your favorite player. Um, I mean, he's still the greatest point guard to ever, to ever play the game and, you know, definitely a top five Laker for me. So um, wishing you a happy belated birthday, Magic Johnson. Um, and keep tweeting, though. Yeah, it, keep tweeting. It, it's providing <laughs> plenty of comedy during the off season. Never stop tweeting, and that's—I mean, ultimately, that's this is what he left the Lakers for when he was like, "I can tweet what I want now." That—that's what he was talking about. He has time to do this now. Considering how well the off season went for us and how great his tweets are, I think it's a win-win <laughs> for everybody. Um. So there, again, a few things I want to get to, but before I do, I would like to bring you back, uh, or, or should I say open a wound, uh, and of course I mean Kawhi Leonard, because uh, uh, Brian Windhorst was on the Bill Simmons podcast on Wednesday and broke down the Kawhi Leonard like free agency saga and my mouth was wide open, like like my jaw was dropped the entire time, uh, because Brian Windhorst, and I will use direct quotes because I know how much he hates like aggregators <laughs> and people talking about. Which uh, is another huge pet peeve, but yes, go. For, on. <laughs> um, he said he told Bill Simmons, uh, "quote The thing that was most amazing to me was Kawhi Leonard's play." The scenario that lined up there is a historic scenario because it took the perfect storm. For the Clippers to give that much up to get Paul George, the Clippers had to have a legitimate fear that Kawhi Leonard was not going to come to them, and it was the Lakers they were worried about losing to. Um, That's enough for me to raise an eyebrow. But then he went on to say that the, the reason the Lakers didn't complete the trade as soon as, like, the very second the moratorium ended was because they received word from somebody's camp, and you have to imagine it's Kawhi's, um, that delaying the trade would be worth their time. Like, that they were very much in the running for Kawhi Leonard still. So, Jacob, to to recap, like, hours before Kawhi Leonard was announced to the Clippers, the Lakers were in the running, if not the clear favorites to sign to sign Kawhi Leonard? Like, 
Yeah, that reopens the wound because <laughs> just the idea. Like, I'll say it's fun now to see to look at the league and see how like balanced everything is. It'd be a lot more fun to look at the league and be like, man, the Lakers are like by far the best team. <laughs> um, my, I mean, obviously, the I guess the main takeaway is like the Lakers were that close to getting Kawhi, but also that means the. Clippers basically traded for Paul George without really a commitment from Kawhi, which makes that trade all the more insane. Like, in the (laughs) end, it works out. But, like, imagine if they make that trade, and then Kawhi's like, eh, I think I'll still go with the Lakers. (laughs) And they gave up all of that for Paul George coming off a shoulder injury. Well, yeah, and I mean, and, and the rumors are that Kawhi Leonard was in contact with a few people, uh, Paul George being one of them. But I mean, ugh, so close, that close, and you have to. I mean, the, the Clippers did everything they had to do to get Kawhi Leonard, which is, which is, I mean, what you do as a team when a player of his caliber becomes available. And to both teams' credit. I think the Lakers and the Clippers did everything they could to make themselves desirable destinations, aside from, I mean, at least from the Lakers' perspective, hiring like an, ex- like an experienced executive and a championship-winning uh, head coach, something Kawhi said he, he wanted in, in his next team. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and, man, to think if the Clippers didn't make that trade, if they just decided, well... I mean, we're not going to get him. If, if he doesn't want to play for our team, like, we can't beg him to. Uh, and, and instead, they gave up, like, a ton of draft picks uh, and, and their most promising young player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, for Paul George. I Honestly, though, like, even with all that context, I'd still do that trade if I were the Clippers. Like, any trade that gets you Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I think you do that trade every time. Yeah, they just... <laughs> They're just, like, if the Lakers really were that close in their current situation, I guess that probably just angers me all the more that they didn't just hire some top exec, whoever it would be, Masai or Bob Myers or whoever. Just go out and get somebody, David Griffin. Because, like, if the Lakers really were that close, like, having a guy like that pushes them over the edge, I would think. And, like, then Kawhi comes to the Lakers. Man, yeah, you just reopened an old wound. <laughs> well, it didn't sound like Griff wanted any part of a LeBron James team again. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just absolutely scathing interview from him uh, on Sports Illustrated the other day. Check it out if you have not. Um, but on to Lakers news. The Lakers use their 20th and final training camp roster spot on former Notre Dame guard Demetrius Jackson, who was the number 45 pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Um, and, and Jacob, I'm going to be honest with you. Haven't been like an avid Demetrius Jackson fan over the last few years, so I can't speak a ton to his game. Um, I watched him a bit in Notre Dame, and I knew there were talks of him being like, at the time, the second best point guard in the draft. Because uh, he was, his reputation was he's a bulldog on on defense, 
Um, he's quick. He's athletic. And all of those things, except for, I mean, him being a bulldog on, on defense, are, are still true. He is a, he's a very good athlete for somebody that's six foot one. Um, I just he, he just hasn't been able to stick probably because, I mean, he can't shoot very well. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If he was he was a lot of fun on those uh, Notre Dame teams. He played with uh, Zach August, which Lakers fans might remember played yeah. summer league with the the team and VJ Beecham, who was another. I think he was on the South Bay Lakers last year. And he played second fiddle to to Jerry and Grant, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that he was on the team that. Uh, Took Kentucky to the wire, the the undefeated Kentucky team. Right. Um, so yeah, he was a lot of fun and in college, but um, he was kind of hit or miss shooting in college. He shot really well his first two years, and then shot thirty three percent as a senior, and well in his last year, I guess as a junior, and then that's kind of been um, in limited time at least kind of what's held him back in the NBA. If you're 6'1", you basically have to be a really good shooter because you're going to be a problem uh, defensively. And right. he's only shot 31% in the G League from three. So um, he's a useful body to have at camp. Um, I wasn't an Exhibit 10 deal. I assume that probably means he'll be on the South Bay Lakers next year. Right. Um but I'd be surprised, really, if he's... I would imagine he'll probably be one of the first cuts. Um, doesn't really offer anything that the other guys on the roster don't. Um, but in terms of kind of last roster spots, it's not a bad one. He's a guy that's been around in the league, bounced around a little bit in the G League. Um, he's been around. Um, so there's worse players you can spend your, your last roster spots on. And and I I think the 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 wording uh, of the last roster spot has confused a lot of Lakers fans at least from what I can tell uh, on the always pleasant silver screen and roll comment section. <laughs> um, so it's a, it is an exhibit ten deal according to Dave Meneman of of ESPN. So if the Lakers do waive him, and I should say really when the Lakers waive him, yeah. uh, they'll be able to offer him up to fifty thousand dollars in bonuses if he signs with the South Bay Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so that's a pretty mutually beneficial deal. Um, and they have a few guys on on their roster just like that, uh, and six to be exact. So right now, the, guarantee, the partially guaranteed or guaranteed contracts Lakers have on the roster uh, are Jordan Caroline, Eric Holman, Devontae Kakak, uh, Demetrius Jackson, and... Boy, I'm forgetting some. Oh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Zach Norville Jr. And Costas, but I wish it was Giannis. <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry. Left Rudy. <laughs> I was just going to say. Uh, so, and, and Norville and Antetokounmpo are on two-way contracts. So, they're with the team until they decide they're, they don't, or the Lakers decide they don't want them anymore. Um, of those guys, so of that group of uh, Kaycock, um Holman, Caroline, and Demetrius Jackson. If you had to, if you had to pick, because if we're being honest, none of those guys are going to make the opening night roster. But if you had to pick one, who would you put your money on? 
Uh, I, I don't think it'd be Demetrius Jackson. Um, probably one of the forwards, because I think that could be an area where the Lakers might need someone. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe Jordan Caroline. I'd say Caroline or maybe Kaycock. I'm not sure. I for I'll give a, I'll throw a bone to Hani and say Jordan Caroline. <laughs> I was just gonna guy. say you'd make one of our listeners very happy if you just chose Jordan Caroline, and I'd probably lean the same way only because uh, Kaycock's more of a like a power forward, if not a a very very small ball center to me. Um, so I'd probably lean towards Jordan Caroline too, but I mean more than anything, those guys are just going to be good players for the South Bay Lakers next season. And um, I'm glad you mentioned the Lakers needing help at the forward spots because I think when looking at that, um, looking at this roster, um, they have a they have depth at the forward with LeBron. Kuzma, Dudley, and then I guess AD if you if you buy into him being a strictly a four. Um, but the one thing they don't have is somebody that can guard big wings, and the hope is that Kuzma can be that wing despite showing no signs in his first <laughs> two seasons of being that player. Um, and, you know, the, being with Team USA, I think he can pick up a lot of good habits. Uh, and according to his USA basketball teammate Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know he's come a long way on the defensive end. So Mitchell spoke to Alan Sliwa of ESPN's Lakers Talk after practice on Wednesday, and it's funny because they're actually practicing at the UCLA Health Training Center right now, uh, where the Lakers practice during the regular season. But um, Sliwa asked, like, you know, how does our boy Kuz look? Uh, and Mitchell said, "quote He's doing well." He's picked it up on the defensive end. Uh, everybody knows what he can do on the offensive end, but defensively, he's taken it to another level. He's talking, communicating, finding other ways to improve, whether it's communication, whether it's stepping in and taking charges, being willing to guard the best forward on the other team. That's what I've noticed about him for sure. Uh, I think he, I mean, you have to take that with an immense grain of salt just because they play on the same team. Like, what is he supposed to say? Kuzma's getting cooked by Travis Ware in scrimmages. <laughs> and guy, I'm really worried about his role with the Lakers next season. I know everybody in Utah is really excited about having to go <laughs> up against Kuzma. Like, come on. But um, I think a glass half full take is it seems Kuzma for the last two off seasons, this being the second, has been hyper aware of his shortcomings on defense and just seems really committed to doing something about it or at least letting everybody know he's doing something about it. I think to be that like open about your shortcomings and not coming back and being a better defensive player next season would be a like really really terrible look on him, which is why I'm hopeful that he'll go from like being a really bad defender to just being like a kind of bad defender next season. Yeah, that was a joke I made whenever you said that he had I hadn't seen the quote beforehand, but you said he took it to another level. I mean, the bar's so low that um, another level could still be a bad defender. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's probably just one of those things of what else is he going to say. Um, they're friends off the court. Like, he's not going to just throw them under the bus. Um, but also, I mean, I don't, 
I do agree that Kuzma is a, aware of his shortcomings, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's tried to work on his defense. It's just weird. During the summer, it's hard to work on defense because it's like, I mean, you you just have to be guarding someone. Like, it's not one of those things where, like, you can just be repetitive shooting the ball until you start making your shots. There's not really, like, a way to do that with defense. So, I mean, like, he would have to be practicing against someone and working, like, on footwork or something. There's only so much you can do um, defensively during the summer. So, yeah. Uh, and, or maybe, I mean, you could just be watching a lot of film and picking up on things like that, and maybe that is what he's doing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I lean more towards it's a buddy who's kind of pumping up one of his friends and um, gassing them up and trying to get people excited more than anything else because, I mean, I'd like to be pleasantly surprised, but aside from, like, very brief stretches, Kuzma has not really shown any kind of progress or potential defensively. I'd like to think that Donovan Mitchell's just kind of a secret agent and is filling Kuzma's head with like fantasies like, No, bud, you're doing great. Just do everything you're doing right now, <laughs> all eighty two games in the regular season and preferably in the playoffs if we go up against you. Um I think Kuzma will be given every opportunity to prove himself next season because depending on whether or not Boogie comes back like even at 70 or 80 percent Kuzma will be in the conversation to be the third best player on the team um and I'm sure Frank Vogel and the Lakers will push for that until they just absolutely can't anymore and I think the biggest thing for him and we've harped on it a lot in this podcast is just hitting your damn three-pointers dude like when you're open you're, you're going to have a ton of open looks playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Just cut, move without the ball. When you're near the basket, lay it up. When you're wide open, make sure those three-pointers go in. Because a lot of the times he was open last season, he did not convert his open three-point looks. He shot 30% when nobody was near him. Wide open three-point attempts made 30% which is probably the most disheartening stat of of anyone that played for the Lakers last season. He's going to get the opportunities, like you said, because the Lakers need him to be good um, if they're going to ultimately win a title like they aspire to. Um, Regardless of how good Boogie is this year, um, Kuzma brings a skill set that the Lakers are going to need Uh, mainly in his shooting and really his ability to kind of he can still create his own shot he's one of the few on the team who can do that Um, so the Lakers need him to be good um, in order to be a a title contender Uh, so he'll he'll get a shot I'd love it if he's better defensively there's going to be some questions about where he fits defensively because I think last year, I mean, definitely the whole small ball center thing was a huge failure. <laughs> Fortunately, he's not going to have to do that again. But I think overall, I don't think he can defend bigger-bodied players 
your four. I don't know. There aren't many fours he's going to be able to defend, like natural power forwards. Um, maybe some stretch fours. Um, he's going to really. We were kind of talking about it. Offensively, he's probably best as a four, and defensively, he's probably best as a three. Right. Um, which kind of creates some weird issues within the lineup. So, um, but he's going to need to take steps on both sides of the ball um, if the Lakers are going to contend for a title next year. Yeah, and given the personnel on the roster, I think Kuz might end up having to play a lot of that three position because, I mean, Jared Dudley hasn't been a three since before the (laughs) 2015-16 season. Back in Phoenix. Right, and so the the thought of him playing the three doesn't excite me, and I guess you could throw Danny Green out on the three, but again... Going up against the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two guys that are six nine out on the wing, um, six nine or six seven, one of those, um, just big guys out on the wing. Um, I mean, they really need somebody that can that can de- defend those those uh, forwards. And when we get back from the break, we'll talk about somebody uh, who the Lakers are hoping uh, can be that guy for them. So, Jacob, earlier in um, the offseason, we talked about our favorite and least favorite signings of free agency. If I remember correctly, I believe I chose Contavious Caldwell-Pope, um, mostly because of the contract they gave him. I, I, not an agent. I, am, I do not have league sources. Um but I, I just, I'm having a really hard time thinking who was paying Contavious Caldwell Pope like $8 million annually. Like, I, where was the market for him to the point where they had to pay him more than the mid level exception? My assumption is that Rich Paul and KCP looked at the Lakers and said, I'm the last kind of wing 3 and D guy on the market. You're going to have to pay a premium for me. And, and they did? Yeah, the Lake, I mean, <laughs> they kind of it was a byproduct of the Lakers waiting so long on Kawhi, which 100% for that you do that every time, but yeah. it left them in a bind by the time I mean they they knew they had Danny Green in the bag if they didn't have Kawhi. But after that, there weren't really any 3 and D guys on the market um, and I will say Rich Paul and Clutch played that really well because I, I mean that's what I'm just going to assume is going to ha- has to have happened 
there, and they basically had the negotiating power and um, forced the Lakers to pay up for it. Um, which, man, I we'll, we'll touch on this. I'm not as low on KCP as others are, but that man has fleeced the Lakers for so much money <laughs> in the last three years. Yeah, definitely, and I I agree. I was pretty low on the signing, again, mostly for the money. Um, but the more I've thought about it, I think, and this might be a scolding hot take. Ooh, I'm ready. But I think Contavious Caldwell Pope could be one of the five or six most valuable players on the Lakers next season if he plays his role correctly. Like, I think Contavious Caldwell Pope in theory, is exactly the type of player you want on a LeBron James team. Like, I don't think he's as good as J.R. Smith was on those uh, Cavaliers playoff teams, those Cavaliers finals teams. Uh, But I definitely think he's that prototype. Um, The question is whether or not, like, he's capable of filling that role. Because his first season with the Lakers... um, he showed, like, he looked like the 3 and D guy they, they paid money for. He shot 38.3% from three on, on 5.6 attempts per game. Uh, and the hope was last season that he'd continue that uh, in the following season, which is probably why they didn't put such a premium on shooters, other than Magic Johnson's, like, galaxy brain plan of beating the Warriors and Rockets with <laughs> rebounding and passing. Um but last season, he shot, like, 34.7 on 5.3 attempts, um, including 36.7% on catch-and-shoot threes, um, and, like, 38.8% on wide-open three-pointers, which isn't bad. Like, that's, p- like, pretty good. Um, but it, it could be better, uh, and it's going to need to be better if, if he wants, like, a big role with the Lakers next season, which I think is there for him if he wants it. Um, my take on KCP would be that I think he... I don't want to say will be. I think he could be what people expect Avery Bradley to be for this team. Absolutely. Um, we, For those of you that listen, we, we've talked about Avery Bradley uh, not glowingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, we had Sabrina on. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, from what not Sabrina a big, told not us, not a big fan some, of. Yeah, <laughs> not a big fan yeah. of, Kate, or of Avery Bradley. Um, and but KCP, he's he's had a weird time <laughs> with the Lakers because, um, I mean, it's wild to think back. I credit. Rich Paul for how they handled the negotiations this summer. The Pistons had an eighty million dollar offer on the table for KCP, like yes. four, three, four years ago, that they turned down. Um, so yeah, imagine what we've paid KCP, which I added up was about forty three million. That would be <laughs> half of the contract that he had on the table. Um, but. I think in the role that he's going to have, which is a vastly different role than he has had, he 
should be all right. He's basically going to be a 3 and D guy, um, which he's good at. It's all the other stuff for him that he struggles with. Um, he, I mean, he's an adventure in the open court, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Um, at times, he had shown some pick-and-roll ability, but that's never really panned out. Um, and, I mean, surprisingly, he's not great off screens, but when it comes to spot-ups and handoffs uh, and cuts, like, he's excellent, like, in all of those categories. Um, so he... And those are going to be the spots... Um, he's going to be asked to um, be in this year. He, his first year um, was kind of, I don't know necessarily the go-to scorer, but he was asked to do a lot of scoring as like the primary kind of deep threat and mixed results, finished the year strong. And then last year um, was just a mess of things. And he kind of drew the ire of the team, or of the fans. On, uh, but he was the I think the only guy on the team who played eighty two games. Yeah. Um, which is worth something on a team. He played seven more games than anybody else. Um, and I mean, for the most part, you know what you're gonna get with him. Um, and he again finished the year strong. If we could get, like, March and April KCP throughout the entire season, like, he would be worth $20 million a year. Um, But, I mean, those are the types of roles he's going to be in. On offense now, he's going to be... Like, I could pretty easily see a scenario where he's the fifth starter. Um, And if that's the case, he's going to be, like, the fifth option on the offense... And basically, I mean, you mentioned J.R. Smith. I agree. He's probably not as good as J.R. Smith was on those teams. Um, But that's going to be what he's asked to do um, on these teams is to spot up on the wing or in the corner and knock down open threes. Um, And then defensively, Danny Green's going to have the the top assignment. KCP can stay in front of smaller guards. Um, I think... At times, his defense is a little overrated. He's shown an ability um, to guard uh, bigger guys at times, but I think he's probably at his best if he's guarding smaller players. Um, So I could see him defending guards, um, which, again, like I said, it's basically... I think what people think Avery Bradley will be will end up being what KCP is for this team. Um, I know a lot of fans have been frustrated with him, but he's a he's he's consistent, which uh, I don't. It kind of sounds like a negative, but <laughs> like on a team where there's a lot of question marks on this Lakers team, like how good's Boogie gonna be? We talked about Kuzma. Yeah. What's he gonna be able to bring? Um, what are LeBron and AD going to be together? Like, we know that KCP is going to be able to knock down threes and defend at an adequate level, which is a positive. I mean, you know what you're going to get from him. 
Yeah, similar to Avery Bradley, his real value lies in can he defend the second best guard on on a playoff contending team? Like, is he going to be able to pick up D'Angelo Russell, which is, sounds crazy to say. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell's back in the Western Conference with the Warriors. Um, like, is he going to be able to defend D'Angelo Russell and and one of Russell Westbrook and James Harden? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, if he can, he, I think, becomes the immediate favorite to, to be that fifth starter because... The biggest difference between Contavious Caldwell Pope and Avery Bradley is that Contavious Caldwell Pope has been a better player more recently than Bradley has on both ends of the floor. Uh, and I think if you're going to make a case to start him, you start there, uh, at least over you know Avery Bradley and Alex Caruso. As a backup shooting guard, I think he's like, I wouldn't say even better, but when you look at that backup two spot, I mean, how many guys would you take over the best version of Contavious Caldwell Pope or even the current version of KCP? Um, you know, I don't know if that list is very long. And um, sure, his, his contract might be a little inflated, but I think, again, it just comes down to you have a player that plays both sides of the ball. Um, and... You know, anything else you get out of him, if he's more than a 3 and D player, if he, you know, ca- if he has months where he just catches fire from three and you play him big minutes, then that's something you have in your back pocket. It's better to have than not to have. Um, as we found out last season w- with the with the personnel the Lakers put together. The, I mean, looking, the, a lot of the names that people mentioned as, like, guards that the Lakers could sign. Like, Corver was one I know a lot of people mention. Uh, Iman Shumpert, obviously Lance. Like, I would take the current version of KCP over all of those guys. Um, he, I guess the hope is that uh, also the Vogel uses him better than Luke Walton used... Um, Use him. I I think he could be a guy that fits better in a more structured offense. I thought the same of uh, Reggie Bullock. He was really good in Detroit because it was more of a structure. He was playing off of two bigs and had a little more spacing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers last year offensively were like a mess, basically. There weren't a whole lot of sets they ran, like... The ones they did run were pretty easy to snuff out. So, like, I would think that KCP could be a guy who could benefit playing on a um, a team where he'll be able to get some more open looks and he'll be able to read defenses a little bit better. Like, I think back to how LeBron, how much better he's made shooters around him in the past. Like... Him yeah. and Corver were so great together. Uh, him and Jr. He ba- he told David Griffin like, bring Jr. here and he'll be fine. And Jr. was a a big contributor on a team that won a title. Um, so I mean, I keep thinking back to those types of guys. 
Um, I mean, you made a comment, I think it was before we went on air, um, that this team this year is going to be more of a LeBron team, whereas last year, like you said, it was a Galaxy Brain team. Um, (laughs) KCP fits a lot better on a LeBron team than whatever we've had the last couple years, so I think the hope is that he's going to flourish in a role where he's asked to do less. Um, and what he's asked to do, he's comfortable in doing, and he's been able to do even when he was doing lots of other adventurous things in the last couple of years. <laughs> you know who probably would have would have gotten a whole bunch out of out of Contavious Caldwell Pope in his offensive system, Tyron Lue, huh. who huh. as of uh, Wednesday was in talks to to join Doc Rivers' uh, coaching staff with the Clippers, and that would give them. Two championship-winning head coaches on their uh, on their bench, which I mean, is pretty good as, as far as coaching staffs go. When we're talking about reopening old wounds, that was <laughs> like the most frustrated. Like I came on a podcast shortly, I think the next day on this on here with Anthony, and Anthony had like hyped it up. Like, all week, he was retweeting my old takes about how optimistic I was about the front office. And then, like, that whole fiasco with Ty Lue went down, and we come on, and I'm like, no, you were right. Like, this front office is really (laughs) bad. Like, I can't defend it anymore. And that was, like, the lowest it had been because everything's piling up. God, they totally overplayed their hand really, really badly with that whole thing. Um, I'm optimistic about Frank Vogel, but... This Same. this whole this coaching staff could resemble something close to what the Clippers have now if they hadn't just massively overplayed their hand with Ty Lue. Yeah, it it just doesn't like I tweeted earlier today. There is an alternate universe where the Lakers had their cake and ate it too. Like they would have had Tyron Lue, Frank Vogel as the associate head coach, and then. Jason Kidd is, I mean, whatever he does. Um, And, you know, sure, throw in Lionel Hollins and Phil Handy in the mix, too, if you got to. Yeah, if they had that, like, that's the best coaching staff in the league. Yeah, and it's like the the crazy thing is the thing that frustrates me about that, just talking about it, is with Frank Vogel and his coaching staff, the thing that Lakers fans have been harping on is like, all right, the last thing we need to round out this coaching staff is an offensive specialist, somebody that really knows how to build an offense around LeBron James. And I'm just like, gee, <laughs> wonder who that could be. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, going back to your point, sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. I don't blame you. Going back to your point about, about KCP, um, KCP under Frank Vogel, uh, assuming they play – like, they're going to play in a more organized offense. You can say that much. Mm-hmm. How reliant they'll be on three-pointers is yet to be determined. Um, but assuming they do play a LeBron-centric offense or, like, a pick-and-roll heavy offense with, with Anthony Davis, um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope could very easily be a better player in, in that type of environment because people have been 
posting highlights from last season, um, particularly LeBron James highlights, and I- I'm going to say it, it is a damn miracle LeBron James averaged what he did in the Lakers won 35 games um, with that offense because that it, it was so congested that offense it like with the LeBron James teams historically speaking you just want to space the floor play five out if you can and the Lakers did the opposite and I don't know why they did that but I would really appreciate that if they did not do that again next season that yeah that I think is going to be the biggest thing with not just KCP but a lot of the wings the Lakers have Quinn Cook Caruso, obviously Danny Green, um, Kuzma, like we've talked about. The floor is going to be so much more open. Like, last season, um, and I hadn't really noticed it, Pete, Laker film room, did a video talking about how Danny Green, Anthony Davis, and LeBron fit so well, and part of the video was showing how little driving lanes LeBron had last year. And it wasn't even like... Like, people were helping one pass away because they were helping off Lonzo and Ingram and just being like, I dare you to to shoot this and beat us hitting threes. Um, even with KCP, they're not going to do that. Like, they're not going to do it with KCP. They're sure as hell not going to do it off Danny Green. Um, I think Quinn Cook at this point probably has enough of a reputation as a shooter that they're not going to help off him. Um, They probably will with Avery Bradley. Um, That's going to be something he's going to have to overcome. But, I mean, a lot of it is going to be, like, the gravity these guys have. Because even last year uh, with Rondo, like, he was statistically a good three-point shooter, but it really didn't have much of an effect because teams were just okay with losing games um, if Rondo hit a bunch of threes. Like that Milwaukee game where Rondo shot like 50 threes in the first quarter is the one that sticks out because they're like, listen, if we lose because you caught fire from three, like so be it, but we're going to play the odds and say that you're not going to hit enough threes. Mm -hmm. And it happened with Lance too. I mean – it was such a weird year because Lance and Rondo were statistically the best shooters, I believe, from three. And um, it, re- oh, I guess Caruso technically was 48% three point shooter. Uh, definitely sustainable. But um, those guys were the best shooters, but they didn't have the type of gravity that KCP, uh, well, maybe Kuzma, Danny Green, Quinn Cook are going to have this year. And it. Those types of guys are going to open up the floor so much. Um, it's, I really think this year's offense is going to look a lot like that last year in Cleveland for LeBron where um, he's going to have huge driving lanes. I think it's going to be a lot of, especially late in the game, um, a lot of pick and roll with LeBron and AD with shooters just in the spread out across the court and just dare teams to pick how they – want to defend that if they want to help off I would imagine it'll be a lot of LeBron going at Danny Green's side and saying either stop me at the rim or give up a open three to Danny Green um so it but guys like KCP are going to be more valuable I think because of 
their ability to knock down a three and, and have that gravity as a three-point shooter to keep defenders honest. Yeah, and I, I think that's the main thing to be optimistic about with, with KCP's role is assuming he's playing in the starting lineup, the bulk of that offense is going to be running through, I mean, depending who starts at center, but even then, that whole offense is going to be running through LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, I fully expect LeBron to go to AD early and often in the season, try to get him going, similar to what he did with Kevin Love in that second year, just, like, make him feel like he's the man and that he's just as much part of the team as as LeBron is, which I, I do believe he is, and I think... Anthony Davis and LeBron James probably have more synergy than Anthony or than LeBron and Kevin Love ever did. Um, but my point is, no matter who Contavious Caldwell Pope is on the floor with, he will likely not be the number one or number two option on offense. Like even in the second unit, you stagger him with Kyle Kuzma and Quinn Cook. I mean, those are the guys you want taking shots. And KCP is going to be the guy that, you know, runs in transition, um, occasionally takes a pull-up jumper. But other than that, he's not going to be facilitating the offense. And I think because he was one of the few starting caliber guards on the roster over the past two years, he was asked to to do that. And um, on this team, he won't be, or at least uh, I don't think anybody's expecting him to. So, um it could be a big year for KCP, uh, and I know we're all hoping it is. Uh, Jacob, do you have any parting thoughts before we go? Um, I was trying to drum up a hot take, but I think it was basically what I said at the beginning. I, I would very much – I see KCP as a more likely starting option than Avery Bradley. Um, I don't know. Early in the year it's going to be weird, but – I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year KCP's the fifth starter on this team. Or at least, yeah. Or at least closing games with him. Um, Which, I don't know. I mean, and the best case scenario really is both of them being awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, both KCP and Avery Bradley being competent on defense and being able to hit open three-pointers. We'll find out in two months. God, too Til- far. <laughs> Until then, everyone stay strong. Um, there's the WNBA Premier League starting back up here pretty soon, and uh, the Dodgers are playing very good baseball right now, um, particularly over the last few days. I don't know what the final score to that Marlins game was. I think it was 9-1. to one. Um, Baseball is actually canceled. Out of his mind. Uh, I'm done with baseball. The Reds have... <laughs> Finally broken me. Uh, it was fun to play competitive in August, but baseball's actually done, and it, uh, I'm only a soccer <laughs> fan for the next two months. Uh, I am Christian Rivas. He is Jacob Brood, and um, we have a lot of fun recording this podcast. And if you have a lot of fun listening to this podcast, you can hop on iTunes and leave us a nice little review uh, and tell us what you think about. Um, the season ahead and, and, and your expectations for uh, KCP, Avery, Bradley, and the rest of the guys. Um, we'll be back next week with some different content because, Jacob, I don't 
think this is probably one of the last players left on on the player reviews we're doing. Um, I mean, so hopefully we have something to talk about, and um, one of those things could very well be Kyle Kuzma making the the USA basketball team. Until then, don't play in Poison Ivy. (laughs) See you guys next week.